Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. As I said last week, we were, uh, as we went through chapter 8, chapter 8 and chapter 9 are on giving, and we kind of talked about that this week was also going to be about that. And so um, those who didn't come back, we, you know, we see why, obviously. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. Uh, but we're going to hit it again. Some more really good principles. Um, kind of running off of last week, the idea is it, it's, it's about the heart, right? And if your heart's right and your heart's in the, in the good spot, then that, that's what giving is about. Like, it's about showing what matters most and... and uh, and it's all got to come from, you know, between a relationship between you and the Lord. There's nothing that anyone can mandate or would mandate or all that stuff. No manipulation just between you and the Lord and kind of continue on with more kind of principles and practical things of what happens when we do give. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you this morning for uh, just being able to gather together here in a facility like this where we can... Um, worship you, where we can um, just honor you with our time, with our Sunday morning, with uh, our just, um, by being together, Lord, that with our minds, with our hearts, with our voices, as we sing, as we worship, as we um, take this time and, and give you our hearts to, to speak to us and change us and to move in our, in our lives, God, we pray that you would do that this morning. Pray that you'd uh, pour out your spirit, that you'd speak, we'd be able to hear you, and that it would be uh, evident that it's from you. So Lord, we uh, pray you give us eyes to see and ears to hear, and that you would just um, convict where we need to be convicted, encourage where we need to be encouraged, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Now concerning the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous, yes, for me to write to you. Um, Real quick, kind of some background here because it's flowing over from chapter 8, which is ministering the gift to the church of Jerusalem. Uh, Remember, the church of Jerusalem was uh, the foundational church, the first one. They set the whole thing up uh, and they were instrumental in all the churches uh, being formed because it kind of all started there and went from there. And so, uh, Paul has been collecting, we saw this in first Corinthians as well, collecting, um, a way to minister to them materially. So he's been taking a collection, like, come on in, bring it in and, and we'll, we'll go and we'll bless. And, and, uh, this will mean a lot to them. And, and they've been foundational in your life. Now you can do something that will impact theirs. We're going to get more into that in a second. So, um, Uh, Verse 2, for I know that your willingness about which I boast of you to the Macedonians and to uh, Achaia uh, was ready a year ago and your zeal has stirred up the majority. There's some thoughts that there could be sarcasm here, right? That like you guys, we all know about how much you guys have been wanting to give and, and how much, you know, you, you've been willing to do it and it's stirred up the majority. Um, I I don't necessarily know if it is for sure sarcasm because we know that they did want to give a gift. They were just having trouble following through. They knew that there was a desire and that was, it was something they were supposed to do. They're having trouble following through. 
last chapter, chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, says, And in this I, I give advice, it is to your advantage, not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Like, do the thing you said you were going to do. And you guys were stirred up, you were ready to roll, you were ready to charge it. Uh, that got a lot of people pumped up. Now complete the thing that you said that you wanted to do. The desire was great, good. Uh, now follow through, you know. And so verse 3. Yet I have sent the brethren, the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this respect. That as I said, you may be ready. Lest if some Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared. We, not to mention you, should be ashamed of this confident boasting. He's like saying, I've been, caught, I've been boasting on your behalf that you guys are like willing to do this. And so we're bringing some brethren in. And so don't make us look bad. And don't make yourself look bad. Where you say you're going to do something, then, then you don't do it. Um, also, as we remember from chapter 8, the Macedonians had given out of their poverty. Uh, Macedonia and um, Achaia being in the same Greek peninsula, like the same region there, right? Um, they had, their, so they were close by each other. Corinth had a bunch of money, right? They were very affluent. Uh, Macedonia did not, but they were very giving. And so he's like saying, don't make us look bad by not following through. So make sure you're ready to do the right thing. Make sure that you prepare yourself. Uh, and, and we see this with giving. It's, this is the thing. Not to be compulsive. Not to be, you know, easily manipulated even. But to be purposed in our heart. Thought through. Thinking ahead. Having preparation. This is how you don't get manipulated, right? You're like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden the violin starts playing. And now you've been twisted up and, and, and you've been sucked in. And, and you're easy, it's easy to be manipulated. But if it's between you and the Lord and you've spent time preparing your heart before, you're ready to go. You're ready to do the thing that you've been called to do. Maybe, uh, so, yeah, so you should not be ashamed. We don't want to be ashamed and, and we, of the fact that we are boasting in you. So, um, Make sure that you're prepared to do the thing that you've been called to do. Therefore, verse 5, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand, which you had previously promised. That's why I think he's talking about like this. I don't think he's being super sarcastic. I think he's saying like, you guys had promised it. You said you were going to do it, you know, Uh, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a grudging obligation. You know, I remember uh, going to uh, some when I had just gotten saved and it was like a world vision thing, you know, and they're, they're showing the kids and you're like, I got to adopt one of those kids. And then you're like, you're like, OK. And you're like, I don't have money to do this, you know, and a lot of times I'm sure they have to deal with people who like in the moment sign up because the videos and stuff like that. And, and then they go, oh, never mind. But but it's like saying like. If you're committing to it and you want to do it, then do it. This is, we don't want it to be a thing that's done out of grudging obligation, but you should be ready. Make yourself ready. Because he's going to talk about the heart. Like, and, and we know if your heart's not in it, then don't do it. But I think what Paul's encouraging him to, them to do is to make your heart right. 
you have an opportunity to get your heart in the right place. Because Paul believes that there are more blessings in giving than takeaways. And he's going to get into that. We'll kind of get into that quickly here. So he's saying, like, get your heart right. Be prepared. So it's not like a grudging thing so that you don't do this for nothing. So it's not, you're not just being, you know, uh, fine, I'll just do it. Fine, here. Fine, take it. All right, Lord, get off my back. You know, here, here's your money. You know, whatever. You know, just be quiet. Leave me alone. No, it's like get your heart prepared. So that it's, it's, it's a matter of generosity, not as a grudging obligation. They're given a chance. Uh, It's like, don't just let it go, right? Just because your heart's not in the right place. Like, get your heart in the right place so that you can go deeper. You can get some of the benefits here. Verse 6, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. This is a beautiful promise, a beautiful scripture that has been unfortunately extremely abused, right? And it's, it's like a thing where you say, well, you know, here's your seed money. Here's your this, here's your that. If you do this, God will do this. If you do this, if, you know, if you touch the TV in this way, or if you buy this oil, or if you, you know, whatever it is, people have figured out ways to make money off of this. Well, God's, you know, going to take care of it or whatever. You know, like you just, if you sow the seed, he'll pay you back a hundredfold. Well, we're going to find out that the blessing isn't always necessarily monetarily exponential growth in that way, but it is absolutely worth it. The scripture holds true, but it's all about your expectations. You're not viewing this as like the stock market, right? You're like, if I invest in Apple, I'm going to get a payout, a guaranteed payout uh, financially. Well, there's, there's a, an, an element to where God will take care of us. He promises that. You can't outgive the Lord. You see that. But to manipulate it and to twist it is, would be completely wrong, right? And to make it into something that it's not and, and to give promises that are, are not really promises from God, that's a problem, But the idea is that uh, we're supposed to sow these seeds. And if we want to reap bountifully, if we want to reap, you know, sparingly, then you sow sparingly. Uh, I think that the main thing is an idea of currency. Seeds are are great. They're worth something. Not that much though, right? If you go buy a pack of seeds, how much do they cost? Not that much, right? It's like always shockingly inexpensive. That's not the expensive part. It's the watering it and the keeping it, you know, all that stuff. But the seeds themselves, it's great, right? But where a seed really has its value is in what it becomes, what it can be used to become. That's the point, right? Is you take a seed, you sow it, and it becomes something far greater. And if you look at a seed, you can see it doesn't really, like, make sense what it's going to become. Like, it doesn't, you're like, that's a tomato plant? Like, that's all it is? Or that's going to be, make watermelons? If you're lucky, you know, probably not. They're hard to grow, I think. I don't see, we, we had a hard time with them. We used to have gardens as a kid, though. And I remember seeing the packets, and you're like, this little packet of seeds? But you do, and all of a sudden, things are growing. And so the investment of the seeds into the ground, you're never, like, mourning the loss of your seeds when the harvest comes. I miss my seeds. I used to have a pack of seeds in my house. 
They're just sitting there. They're 99 cents, but I miss them, you know? Now you, what you've gotten out of it is something that is very much beneficial and, and could reap rewards that are far greater than just a pack of seeds would give you. Seeds will hold their value, right, to a certain extent for a while. But how much greater is it to be used for what they're designed for and to be used to uh, sow bountifully so you could reap bountifully? thing is about when you sow into, say, vegetables or something – Usually you get to share them with people, right? I remember, uh, Linda, you brought those tomatoes, and I heard I made some salsa out of those tomatoes, right? I, I didn't, not me, you know. You did, right, Maria? Maria said, I made salsa out of those tomatoes, right? And so now it's become something where you're not just blessed from sowing seeds. That, that Everyone is blessed by this, right? There's a, there's a benefit to all by investing in the right way. And investing is, is important, right? We all make decisions of investing, whether it's time, whether, whatever it is. We make decisions in what we invest in. And we, if, we're, if we're smart about it, if we're using wisdom, we will invest in things that have returns, right? I was talking to a pastor, and, and he was giving me advice. He'd been ministering for a long time. And he said, one thing I would tell you, being a young pastor with a young family, is... Um, the, the people at the church matter, but you um, need to invest way more in your family than anyone else. Because those people might just leave because they don't like the new wall that you put in. <laughs> but your kids are your, they're your, those are your kids. It's like people come and go, you should absolutely invest in the church. You should absolutely invest in this. But it's important to invest in your family. Don't put them on the sidelines completely or leave them out in the cold. He says, I did that and I, and I regret doing that. So you're thinking about the investments you make where obviously there's other investments that have even less of an impact, right? Where you go, this is nothing. This makes no sense. There's, there's no gain out of this. So why am I pouring into this thing? I'm called to invest wise. And then if we invest in the right things and, and we invest bountifully, we are going to reap bountifully. The greater value lies uh, is in the seed is when they're sown and they come out of the ground and they're fruitful, they're valuable, they're useful. The promise, what's the promise here then exactly? Well, we can't outgive God, but it, it, sure, but it's also that he'll change the value of our currency. Like if you were thinking, my money is tied up in seeds, that's great, you're a seed guy. Kind of got a weird hobby, Right? I've got seeds from every kind of, you know, place in the world. That's fine. But there's so much more valuable in, in seeing what is the real currency we should be looking for, which would be if it's seeds in fruitfulness. And the other idea is you're, you'll be, uh, you'll see it different and you won't be controlled by the seeds. When you start becoming a freak about your like pack of seeds and you put it in your pocket and you always have it with you because you don't want to lose any of your seeds and you're like, you know, put it in a safe place and all this and that. You're controlled by your seeds as opposed to letting them go and flow and do whatever, you know. There's something wild about growing things. You're like, what is happening? Even like children, right? You have kids and you watch them and you grow and you're like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And you look back at baby pictures and you see, you took a turn. You're looking more like me or you're looking more like your mom or you're looking more like whatever it is. They're wild. And you see personality things come out and you're like, what is that? You can't control it. It's not 
But the idea is faith. The idea is, is trusting God, not being controlled by, by being controlling. Isn't that funny? By being controlling, we're controlled by that. It like, it holds us and it keeps us back from what we're supposed to be, which is like free and full of faith and trusting God. Verse seven. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver. We kind of hit this verse a little bit last week, but this is important because this is how God does the work in us. It's all about our posture before him. First of all, let's give as, as he purposes in our heart. We are supposed to give how we know we're supposed to. God has put it in our heart. He's made it clear what we're supposed to do, but not grudgingly or of necessity, but cheerfully. Like, I'm so happy to invest in this. I'm so happy to invest in you, Lord. I'm so happy to give where I'm supposed to be giving and do what I'm supposed to be doing anyway. Verse 8. And, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Uh, the word sufficiency actually can also be translated as contentment. And contentment, can we all agree, is a major issue? Contentment is, is, a, is a major issue for, for our culture, really for I mean, man, it's, it's so easy to be discontent, especially when things are thrown in your face. When ads are screaming to you to be discontent with what you have. Oh, you have that? That's cute. But this one's better. We don't have cable, but we have like, you know, like watch YouTube stuff. So, but they, all the, the ads followed us, Right. We thought we had a, like a little like way out of it. And even Hulu, it's like, here's your ads. You still have to watch these ads, you know. And there's these commercials, and it's for Ram trucks, you know. Nothing against if you have one or whatever. But it's, all they do is badmouth the other two big American brands, right? Chevrolet and, and, uh, and Ford, right? And they're like, oh, an 8-inch screen is fine. Do they even make it bigger than that? And, you know, they measure it like this, you know, going across it. And, and at first you're like, I think an H screen's really big because I don't have any screen like that on my car. But, but they're like, it's just not a Ram. And, and it's like, it's actually showing like, this truck's good. It's solid, but it's not as good as this one. And, and it is completely playing off of discontentment. Oh, well, you could have a 12-inch screen. And watch a movie while you're going 85 down the freeway. Don't worry. The car will break for you. It'll keep you in your lane. Don't you worry about a thing. We've got it all covered. Your discontent. It's like, how, why do I need a screen that big? You know? Everything's a screen anyway. You know? Just chill out. Just stay there. I don't need, I don't need to watch a season of a you know, show as I'm driving down the road. You know? But this is, this is like screaming like, oh, yeah, that's good. Not good enough. Oh, this is nice. Not nice enough. Oh, that's new. But this is newer. It's, it's the world we live in where things dramatically, imp- you know. I remember uh, the GoPro 7 just came out last year, right? And it was like groundbreaking. This is the one. It's going to change everything. And the 8 just came out. 
and the seven is obsolete. This is not, oh, if you thought that was good, that is just garbage. Throw it away. You know what? Don't even throw it away. You know, burn it. It's no good. You know what? If, if you want to get rid of it, I'll take it. I'll take the seven. No problem. But it's, it's funny how it markets itself like that. Oh, we had, this is called hyperstabilization. And this is the one that really works good. If you're riding your bike, it'll stay super clear and perfect and everything. Well, the new one is called, it's like ultra stabilization, hyper smooth 2.0. And if you look at them side by side, there's a difference. Right. Contentment. One of the things I actually like about technology is the trickle down where you can get the cheaper stuff and it's better than it. You know, it's like the top of the line from three years ago or whatever. And you're like, I remember when everyone wanted this one and now we could get this. And anyway, it's like, I I can just, you know, discontentment has really paid off. You can go on Craigslist and find um, the last year's bike for, you know, half price, right? But the, the idea is that contentment is a major issue for us. And, and so it's looking at sufficiency in the same light as contentment, God was able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency or contentment in all things may have an abundance for every good work. It, one of the things that happens when we give is there's a contentment that comes from it because you're investing in him and that means you're trusting in him. That's a faith thing, right? Faith brings that contentment and then also provision. First Timothy chapter six, verses six through 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Amen. Godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Amen. (laughs) Not such a happy one, but sure. I agree. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money is the desire to, to all you care about is money. That's all you care about. Money is a tool and it's a good tool to be used in good hands, well-purposed, thoughtful with wisdom God gives to use in a good way. But to love it and to be obsessed with it and to be discontent if you don't have enough of it is not good. How many of us know people who, who are, I've been very financially, they've just done really well, but they have zero contentment. They have zero peace. They, they struggle. They keep on thinking, well, if I get, actually, no, not that house, another one. This one, this one seemed perfect, but now I know why this one's not a good one and why that one is the good one. And when I get to that one, then when I get to that one, this one's not very good. And here's why, here's why I thought it would be, but I actually am this kind of a house person here. Okay. And you're just sitting there and after the second or third time, you kind of go, um, this is a pattern. And sometimes having resources can be a detriment to you. That's what it's talking about. 
It can be it, it, those who desire to be rich or, or those who are living in that way. It's, they can fall into temptation and snare and the many foolish and harmful lusts which drown. The idea of drowning, that is such a good word for it, right? It can suck you under. If you're living for this, it'll suck you under. I was, I was looking through a commentary and, and I, it was David Guzik made an amazing point that, that we can be more rich than the wealthiest people on earth if we have contentment. Because some of the wealthiest people on earth are not content. It's not enough. They need more. We need more. We need more. We need more. It's not enough. It's not enough. You know what? It, this whole thing and thinking has even found its way into churches, right? Where you're like, we got to be bigger. We got to get more gnarly. We got to have more of this. We got to be this, 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 this. One of the cool things is like, we're not a huge church, but it's cool with being content with who we are and what we are. And that God has a purpose for what that is. Which is like a, and, and like loving what that is instead of being like, let's just try and figure out how to be huge or whatever. It's like, we're a family. That's good. That's what we're supposed to be. Like, that's what we've been called to be. If God brings the increase at some point, so be it. That's cool. And he has, right? But at the end of the day, trying to be something you're not and, and being discontent in who you are is like kind of like just spitting in God's face. Like, you made a mistake here, God. You should have fixed this. We should be better than this. It should be more than this. Isn't there value here? It's like, well, my value system is very different than yours. If it's just about getting people somewhere, then you should have started a sports franchise, you know? Not in San Diego, because you guys don't show up for games, right? Lost your football team? I mean, anyway, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You guys, I am one of you, but I'm not. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Dodgers are out of the World Series. That's all I'm mad about. Okay, um. But we can, we, we can become the wealthiest, we can be like the richest people without having any wealth when we understand contentment. And when, what really, honestly, this is part of it, is when you give, you say, God, I'm trusting you. And God, I'm investing in you, as opposed to investing in something else. If you only invest, whatever you invest in is, is the value, right? This is my investment. And, and this is where we see the real return on investment, contentment. Let me, let me ask you this. It, it talks about uh, sufficiency, contentment, and that they may have abundance for every good work. Contentment and an abundance for every good work. That means that God is going to give you contentment, and he's going to give you the provisions necessary. What else do we need? Contentment and provision. And how many people are dying for just to be simple? Right to simplify life and to be able to, to, we get that opportunity, but it's by investing in him. It's our heart, again. And that's why Paul, I think, wasn't saying, you know what, your hearts aren't in the right place, just don't do it. He's like saying, your hearts aren't in the right place, don't do it in that state. So here, you're going to have some more time, so get your hearts in the right place. Because you you need it more than anyone. Because remember, Corinth had issues with contentment. They were notoriously... Lived for the flesh. But this is sowing into investment, into eternal principles. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In doing this, we act in righteousness. We look like Jesus. 
by making these decisions. Verse 10, now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Ooh, this is good. Now, may he, first of all, supplies the seed. So you have your seed money to invest in. Who supplies the seed? He's giving you the seed to invest. Right? And that's the parable of, of the talents, right? Like, we need to invest in what we've been given, right? And this is a word for all of us. A word for me. It's a word for, you know, Take it on, on your own. Don't think about, yeah, someone needs to hear this. It's just, it's just take it for yourself, you know? He applies the seed uh, to the sower and bread for food. It's important to understand God is the one that provides for us, period, right? So that we can get that whole, like, idea off that, like, we're self-sufficient in and of ourselves and God, you know, that's a lack of faith and understanding. And it doesn't take long to realize that that is actually not the case. Especially if you've been walking with the Lord, you'll see he has been so gracious and merciful. And he says, so, uh, supply and multiply. So may he supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of righteousness. That's a good prayer. If you sow in, say, God, keep supplying, keep giving me the opportunity to do this and multiply that which was been given. I, I think of when I hear this, I think about the, you know, the loaves and the fish, right? It, here's what we have. Here's what we put on the table. It just multiplies. It just multiplies. It just multiplies. Have you ever experienced that where you didn't think you'd have enough and it just works? Or you didn't think you, it would ever get done and it just does? Or whatever it is, God is, is so faithful to see that happen. It's, it's just like make sure he'll, he makes sure he takes care of it. Verse 11. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Another side of of this is being in faithful giving in um, uh, investing in eternal things is that it causes thanksgiving to God. Like it allows God to get the praise and thanks. Um, I obviously somewhat invested uh, in, in this because of the whole church setting. Um, but we have men on our board like Dr. Dave <laughs> who, who, you know, you sit there and you watch and you're like, hey, Lord, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And all of a sudden he comes through and you're like, how does he come through? Through people doing what God puts on their heart to do the exact right amount at the exact right time or whatever. But it, it, it abounds in thanksgiving. You're, you're, it's like, you're not like, oh, I don't, let's find out who that person is and write them a thank you note. No, it's like, what does it do? Is it, we all just go, thank you, God. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. This is unreal. Thank you, Lord. And so that fruit, not only is it fulfilling a need, but it's literally bringing praise to God. Is that crazy? Like that brings praise to God because of decisions that are made by, uh, you know, like when you go, oh yeah, you hear, oh man, that was a like a really healthy Sunday, and it's like right on the right time, and you're like, I think we can do now. This is going to open up this opportunity to do this new thing. 
then what do you, what's the response? It's like, thank you, Lord. Every single time, it's just like, God, you are so merciful and so gracious, but somebody did it. Somebody did it, and God gets all the glory. Somebody I took the, anyway, not to harp on that. It's like, not like a, again, no manipulation, no pressure at all. This is just the facts of the matter, the truth of it, right? And again, again, we have an amazing church and, and, and a very giving and, and very like uh, generous church. And also bears repeating, I don't know who gives what. So if I'm making eye contact, it's because I'm making eye contact with everyone, okay? Like, or I'm trying to. <laughs> he didn't make eye contact. He must know. Or he did make eye contact. He must know, you know, or whatever. I don't know. But the idea is, is beautiful that we get to see God get glory for this. It's, it's, it's through many thanksgivings to God. And that is, I mean, like I said, that's why I feel like I personally were invested where you go, thank you, Lord. And to be able to have a meeting where, you know, a board meeting where you go, like pretty decent right now, looking pretty good. Thank you, Lord. Right? And we're like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And so that's just, that's just part of that. That's that investing that, and one of the other added benefits of it. You can be used to cause thanksgiving to God. That's cool. Um, 13. While through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. Um, that's that fellowship, that close fellowship. Your obedience is a blessing to God and to others. It's the proof of the ministry. And they glorify God for the obedience of what you've said and what you've done. Who you are. Your, our obedience makes a difference. It blesses God, it blesses others. And it really, like, I think honestly, honestly, the greatest blessing is to yourself. That is the greatest blessing. And that's, I think, the misnomer of it all is, is if you think it's like a get-rich scheme, you know? I, w- I was um, reading on ESPN, uh, there was three upsets this last, uh, yesterday, right? There was three upsets that were like, who saw them coming, right? College football fans. Wisconsin got beat by Illinois. That was like, who saw that coming? Everybody saw Wisconsin was on... They were going, they were playing Ohio State. It was like a really big deal. And that was like one no one really saw coming. Uh, Georgia Tech beat, who did they beat? I can't remember. And then Missouri lost. There were like three games that uh, no one saw coming. And they were saying how if you were to put like $100 down on each of those games, like just just $100 down, like for the betting folk, you would have made like $206,000 or something like that. If you were to know that that would be the investment, you could make that much money off of it. Of course, the idea is that no one would know that all of those games would go like that, right? And nine times out of ten, you throw your hundreds of dollars away and just call – believe me, I'm not, I'm not encouraging you to gamble. That's not what I'm saying. But, but, like, I remember thinking, like, man, if you knew something like that, wouldn't that be so crazy to do? And I was like, this is not the kind of investing we're talking about, Right? Where it's like some who knows what happens sort of a thing. This is, is an investing in saying, God, I trust you and I'm, I, I, I want to do what you're called me to do. And 
I want you to be in the driver's seat. I want you to be the one driving this thing. Because otherwise, it's stressful. Hazel's learning to ride a bike right now with training wheels. She's, you know, she's kind of figuring it out. But every once in a while, she'll make a crazy steering decision. Like Like a really bad steering decision. And if you know, training wheels are actually like the worst thing ever when you make a bad steering decision. Because it's like riding an old ATC, right? It's like big wheels in the back and, and it's tilt zone. And she hit the deck pretty good the other day because she decided to make a real quick turn off camber going fast. She slammed. She got back up. She said, I'm okay, Dad. It's all good, you know. But one of the things that I've been doing with her is I've got this cool seat. She could ride with me on the bike and we all go as a family. And... um she puts her hands on the handlebars, so she's there. She's got a little seat. She sits kind of in between me and the handlebars, and she's holding, holding on, and her feet are strapped in. And so she just sits there, and, um, and we rip on that thing. It's so fun. Like, we can go pretty fast, and, and she gets it. She holds on tight. She's ready to go. Um, every once in a while, she thinks she can steer, and that causes problems. Like, cause she's like, all of a sudden she's just like, well, let's go to the left. And you're like, that's not how this works. But one of the things that's so cool about it is she, when she gives in to say, yeah, my hands are on here and my job is to hold on, but I'm just going to enjoy the ride. She lets go of like having to figure out how to steer the ship. And she just becomes like one with the bike in me. She calls so much. So she calls my bike, her bike dad, let's ride my bike. And you're like, that's, that's my bike, Hazel. It's not yours. So let's not call it that anymore. Okay. Cause that's really important to dad. Um, no, but the, but the point of the matter is, is that like, it, that's kind of like what we get when we are, um, obedient to him is, is we get to say, I don't have to figure out how to steer this crazy thing. I don't have to figure out how to ride a berm. I don't have to figure out how to drop down roots. My dad knows how all I got to do is hold on and hang on. And, and she is 0% scared every once in a while. she if she, we get a little airborne on something, she'll go, Whoa, that's like, that's like the intent. You know, that's about as far as she goes, Whoa. And we're like, keep on going, keep on cruising. But she's like, like, let's go faster. Let's do more. And I'm like, Hazel, like we're pushing it. Okay. But, but that's because she has this full trust situation where she's like, you've got me. You've got me under control. You've got this. And I, I was thinking about it. I was thinking like, that's the way we get to live when we go, Lord, I trust you with everything. So I'm just along for the ride. I'm just with you. I don't have to make all the hard decisions. I just got to sit here in the seat and say, let's go faster. Faster, dad. There's cannon. Let's go. She tells me, let's go on the big jump. We're not jumping it, but she thinks we're going to. She would be totally content with it. I, I wouldn't. We'd go Indo. She's straight over the top, you know. But it's like, she's like, she thinks anything's possible. She's living in a state of faith. Now, the first time we, I dump her on that thing, it's, it's going to be a whole different story when we crash, you know. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But it, it's that state of like, this is awesome. Like I just get to enjoy being part of this and I don't have to worry about everything. I don't have to stress out about everything. Verse 14. And by, and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you. Here's the other thing that's really cool. When you, when there is, uh, 
a blessing given on your behalf, especially those you've blessed, there's a mutual blessing in return. They're like praying like, thank you so much, Lord, for this. And that's the case where it's like, when you see that great generosity and that just following what God's called you to do, it's like, man, thank you so much for these people. Thank you so much for what you've done in their hearts and their ability and all that. So there's, there's also that benefit too, where you got people praying for you because as you invest in people, they invest in you, right? There's like an investment, a mutual investment. And really this is what church is. Uh, if you just come to church and you just kind of like pop in and then you head out, I'll say this, you're missing out. You will gain the most out of investing in people and being invested in yourself. And in a church like this, you have no excuse. Because they're like, if you notice, like our, our sharing time, people are trying to get to you, okay? Like they want to know you. If you're new, you're like, there was so many people that said hi to me and I'm an introvert, so I'm leaving. No, they're just trying to invest in you. And that's a good thing. So, uh, but that's, that is the important thing is as you invest in people and they invest in you, there is mutual benefit. We're praying for one another. We care about one another and that's good. And then verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Let's start right here. There is no greater giver than God. And you've heard it said, you can't outgive God. But what greater gift was there than him giving his only son for us, for offering up salvation for us, for giving an opportunity to us when we had, we were completely without any, we couldn't have done it on our own. There's nothing we could do or offer or give that would uh, appease a perfect, holy, righteous God. We were lost in sin. So the idea of generosity and giving there is no greater like example than we have in the Lord. He's the one that gives us the greatest uh, example, influence, and uh, you grow up and you act like your dad a little bit, you know, if you're around him. You, you kind of follow along in that footstep. So we as Christ followers, we are like him. We become like Christ. We are... That, so, obviously, there's things that we need work on. I'm like, every week, I'm like, am I closer or am I further away? I don't know. Because sometimes you feel like, man, there's just so much more God's got to do in my life. I feel like there's so many things that are holdups or that are mess, whatever. As we grow closer to him, he's going to keep on working on us, and we're going to look more and more like him. And one of the ways would be in the way of generosity. Again, I didn't make up the series on giving. I didn't make up the series on all of this, but I think it's very valuable because it's to the benefit of the giver and we're all accountable between us, between us and God. And there's no, again, no set amount. It's just between you and God. And it's, if it's not in one way or another, if you completely, there's no way at all to do, it's like being generous in your time and your uh, things you can do and, and just basically just not making it all about you. That's what we're being called to do. That's where we're supposed to go. That's what we're supposed to do. So that's kind of the, the gist of 8 and 9, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And, and Paul's pleading with the Corinthians to like take all, like receive all that God wants to do in your life. And to um, 
one of the big ones is is find, finding that contentment and finding that place where you're saying, and it doesn't cost me nothing. It's not going to cost me like David in the temple to build the temple to buy the, the land. He's like, I, I'm not going to give anything to the Lord that didn't cost me something. Because I want to show there's value there. There's value here. This means something to me. And this is, this is not just like uh, whatever thing. Here's the value. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and just for um, the truth in it, the, the, 